Welcome to Backstage with the Miskatonic Playhouse. Tonight we have with us Alan Carey, who is a Chaosium Ambassador for the Miskatonic Repository and Director of Type 40. Alan, thank you so much for uh, giving up your morning because you're in Australia. So thank you very much for giving up your very early morning to be with us this evening. Um, Alan, please, uh, if there's anything you'd like to immediately kind of introduce yourself with or, or plug, uh, please do. I know you are a, uh, an amazing member of this community. Thanks very much. It, it's, uh, it's lovely to be here. We'll plug stuff later, hey? But uh, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> and it is super early here. It's so early. But that's and, okay. I've had coffees. And yeah, absolutely. Lots and lots of coffees. Okay, so the question from the Playhouse to start us off today is, how did you get into role-playing? Oh, it's a double whammy. How did you get into role-playing and your role as Chaosium Community Ambassador? I, I love this question because it, the, the how did you get into role-playing, it's where it started, isn't it? And it's, it's so uh, different for everybody. And my first taste of role-playing was when I was 15, in, a long time ago, uh, in 1985. Uh, when I was introduced to it by my nephew, who was about the same age as me, but younger, who took me to a friend's house and we played Ravenloft um, for an evening. And uh, it, I had never seen role-playing before, and it was an absolute revelation for me. Um, and we put, I played a... I don't know how my barbarian got to Ravenloft, but he was there. And we played for about three or four hours and then when we went home that night, I spent the rest of the night designing dungeons on, um, on graph paper. And I was, I was done. That was me done. Um, it, it, was a, it, was, it was an absolute revelation. And then it, I never looked back. It was fantastic. I just couldn't believe that you could do this. Uh, tell stories, play games. You just run around. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't care, absolutely loved it. Devoured all the advanced Dungeons and Dragons books. Um, and of course, they wouldn't let me look at the Ravenloft module, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> look a peek later on. That's it, isn't it? It's the bug. Once the bug gets you with this stuff, it's, it's, it's contagious, isn't it? It is absolutely contagious. It's brilliant. So like literally, you know, 30 odd years later, um, I find myself in Melbourne in Australia um, I meet Mob from Chaosium, yeah. uh, who happens to also live here in Melbourne. Um, so got to know him, um, became friends, um, obviously got became a licensee, Type 40 is a licensee uh, of Chaosium, and we do all kinds of things with them. And um, then yeah, obviously Mob asked me to be an ambassador uh, for the, the Miskatonic Repository. Um, and being in Australia, obviously, that letter arrived by Kangaroo. Um, I just got the letter out of the pouch, read the letter, uh, sent the reply back to him, uh, said, yes, I would love to do that. What a fantastic opportunity. Uh, and that's how I became the ambassador. Uh, well, one of the ambassadors, obviously, Nick and Bridget as well. And we, yeah. all, we, all, uh, uh, we all sit there doing what we can for the community. It's amazing. There's, there's actually, you know, I have to say something that I found, but there's actually a fair few of our community in Australia, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Australia has, does and has always punched a bullet weight. Um, yeah. All the way back to 
Terror Australis originally coming out. You know, you've got your Mark Morrison's, your Penelope Love, um, all kinds of different people here in Australia who have been part of the Chaosium family for decades, yeah. decades and decades. And the current team is probably six, seven, eight people strong. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, I'm go. I'm veering off our questions. I will. I will revert very, very quickly. I promise. It is an absolute testament, though. I think to what you know, Chaosium are doing with Seventh Edition. What, yeah, and obviously prior to Seventh Edition, why there's such an amazing community that rolled through these editions. It's it is outstanding. Uh, brilliant. Okay, thank you, Alan. Um, our second question is from Charles. He's got a couple of questions here. Um, the first one is uh, between Type Forty, your company, and the Seeds of Terror. Those amazing scenarios you and your team create. Uh, you're doing a lot of things with Call of Cthulhu. What's coming up for you? That's a really good question, um, and that—that's its own thirty minutes. You know, we've, <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff at the moment. Um, obviously, Seeds of Terror was that was a big effort. That was one scenario a month over twelve months. That was the goal we set ourselves, and we, we managed to hit that. We did we did really well just hitting that goal, so that was really nice. And we took a bit of a break at the beginning of the year from writing things for ourselves um, because we wanted to focus on releasing the um, 3D digital gamer prop sets for some of the Call of Cthulhu yeah. scenarios. Um, so we, we released a, a full set of digital props, which you can either use in person or on virtual tabletops for the starter set, for Doors to Darkness, and a whole range of them for the Masks of Nyarlathotep campaign. And essentially, they're all digital reference cards which have information for players and keepers on them that you can use during your game, but they also have um, a, a QR code which you can scan with your phone or device, which will bring an augmented reality, fully detailed prop up from the game. Um, and I, my background is in prop making and engineering and carpentry, and I made loads of physical props for Call of Cthulhu. My entire Call of Cthulhu, um, you know, life, you know, since I've been playing paper props, physical props, I just love putting props down on the table. Uh, obviously, then everything, everybody started playing online, and I still wanted to make props, so we got together and we started designing these these replicas of the the. 3D physical props and digital. So we, we did all of those. So we've got more of those planned for the future. Um, we've also got, um, we've got a couple of scenarios up our sleeve. Um, it's a bit of a ramble list, but there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, we, we wrote something, I wrote something um, a while ago that I'm quite keen to see come out, um, which is another slightly longer format uh, Call of Cthulhu. When I say I didn't write it, I helped write it. It was Phil Anderson that wrote it. Now, Phil Anderson, member of our team, he's a fantastic writer. And if you if you look for his name, you'll see it everywhere in, okay. K in Call of Cthulhu. He's been writing Call of Cthulhu scenarios since Terra Australis back in the day. He's written for Horror on the Orient Express. He's done all kinds of things. Uh, and he's one of the other writers on Seeds of Terror. Um, so uh, we write together. He's an editor. That's you know. This is you'll probably appreciate this. This is why uh, why we appear to do quite well because the team that we have 
yeah. is so good. Uh, anyway, so we've got some scenarios coming up. We've got some longer format things coming up that we want to try. We want to try and combine scenarios with digital props as well. Nice. Um, it, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a challenge there. If you're uh, watching, listening to this, Phil Anderson, check out Phil Anderson's history within Chaosium. Let's let's find that out in the communities. Let's start posting below. Where can we see Phil Anderson? Because I want to know. Let's have a little look and see what comes up. Um, oh, I hope he's, 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 <laughs> and I hope if Phil, you're watching. I hope you're slightly cringing right now, going, "Oh, oh no!" I tell you what, we wouldn't have Caesar Terror if it wasn't for Phil. We wouldn't. It's just it's been an absolute pleasure working with him, uh, and he's. We're currently working on. Um, a non-Call of Cthulhu thing, which is um, we're going to be publishing um, a, a vampire thing that um, a, yeah. a chap called Brian Holland um, yeah. wrote. So we're, we're, we're pulling all of that together at the moment. That's I, going have, to be uh, I have seen, I've had a little little nose as well, and it does, it, it's, it looks fantastic, much as all Type 40 quality does. So yeah, absolutely superb. Thank you, thank you. Uh, brilliant, I really love that. And I love the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Google Phil Anderson myself, actually. Uh, Phil, you're going to get Googled, <laughs> uh, get used to it. Um, okay, okay. So this one is, uh, how did you get involved with the mythos and what still draws you to it? So we had your... Ravenloft kind of you know introduction mm. to the world of role playing, but mythos. What was your introduction to the mythos, and why are you still so drawn to it? Okay, so what what we're going to do during this interview is we're going to talk about other people for the rest of the interview, not not <laughs> definitely not me. I'm going to mention as many other names of other people as I can. When search I, search after, challenge for everybody. Search challenge for everyone. Um, so when after got back to school, went to uh, you know, summer holidays, played Ravenloft, got back to school, you know, finding people who's done this before, found a couple of people like you do, um, who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons, and then ended up in, uh, this will be, this will ring true for some of you, in a sixth form, um, lower sixth form, some of the older lads playing this other game called Call of Cthulhu. So I sidled over to them and tried to get in on my game and they wouldn't let me and i i bothered them i was going to say my done but about 80 percent of the people there won't know what that means but i bothered them for about <laughs> six months just let me play let me play until eventually they said okay um and i made an absolute nuisance of myself um in their game until they told me you know this is not Dungeons and Dragons, it's quite serious, this is how we do it. And it was this group of lads who I'm friends with to this day, who I speak to wow. regularly, um, who introduced me to Call of Cthulhu, a, a lad called Jace, who, um, you know, is probably responsible for all of my Call of Cthulhu mythos stylings and, and approach. Um, so yeah, it was just a, it was just basically latching onto it. I think it is for a lot of people latching onto another group of people who introduced me to Call of Cthulhu, and it just blew my mind. It opened opened me up to this idea of investigative horror. It opened my idea up to this idea that you know you're not just the whole um, cosmic horror mythos, Lovecraftian uh, approach to things that isn't swords and sorcery. Uh, and I never looked back. Nice. Okay. That's, that's, 
I have to say, being in the in education environment, being a um, and I do get some side glances sometimes. Sometimes someone in the senior leadership team in a school who's going, I'm just going off to go and do my D&D Call of Cthulhu club. I'll be back in a minute. Um, yeah. but, but that's it. And I've got some amazing, and I tell you what, six form students, they absolutely, because obviously with the themes and content and whatnot, but they are amazing storytellers. And it's so empowering to see these uh, you know, younger storytellers just, just eat this up and really kind of dive it. And I've actually... Mm. One of the lovely things is, is with one or two of my students, and they are some of my drama students as well, but I've introduced them to the Miskatonic Repository. So they're not writing in it, but they are now fans of it. So non-writers, but fans of it who want to be involved in it. It's it's brilliant. It's, yeah, yeah selfishly. It's, it's, and, I, and I feel a sense of, oh, I've brought someone into the community. That's amazing. Um, oh, that is a nice feeling. Nurturing the community yeah. is really satisfying. Um, yeah. But after, we, after I found Call of Cthulhu, in sixth form there was not a lot of education going on after that <laughs> the a-levels <laughs> a- kind of went like that did they kind of did yeah <laughs> yeah yeah okay um well they're brilliant okay so the the uh the last question from charles and i have to say these are these are uh, great questions so thank you charles for putting these forward uh the last one is for a scenario do you prefer efficiency or originality and why okay so the so short answer is i prefer originality um, which is an interesting take on it because a lot of the seed to terror, all of the seed to terror are efficient, um, but they are also all original. Uh, on, although on the surface of it, they all look like they uh, lean on uh, common tropes. The mummy of Pemberley Grange is a mummy. You know, there's, there's lots of common horror and mythos tropes in there. But um, having listened to Mike Mason chat and talk, uh, about writing as much as possible before I started writing uh, and delve into things. He's always saying things like, I love seeing new takes on old things. You'll hear him say that a lot. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's do that. Um, new take on something uh, old, mummies. What, what do mummies normally do? What's, what do deep ones normally do? What Take all of the old tropes and just try and do something original with them so i prefer originality over efficiency because um i find originality to be exciting uh when i see something that's original or new it makes me um want to delve deeper into what's behind why it's original and play it i don't mind old tropes um i don't mind uh, unoriginal ideas done well if that makes sense but when I see something new and original, it excites me because I want to be involved with it. I want to pick it apart. I want to see why it's why it's original and what what it's doing that is original. Yeah. So originality over efficiency yeah. uh, every day. Do you know, I think uh, if I remember correctly, now this last summer around the August July time, you held one of the Miskatonic Repository um, kind of sessions where we had guest speakers in. Obviously, Mike Mason yeah. was one of the speakers, brilliant. And one of the things that I've taken away as a writer as well, uh, which I absolutely now uh, in try and encapsulate, is exactly what you've just said, Alan. It, it was you and Mike talking about subverting the norm of horror. So mm. here's, here's your mummy, but how do you subvert that? How do you make this a more interesting and, and investigative horror-friendly scenario? I really like that. I really took that to heart. Um, and that came actually from one of the Miskatonic repository uh, uh, um, chats, one of the one of the open kind of discussions you had with guest speakers. So, 
if you haven't seen them, check them out. They are on the Miskatonic Repository uh, Facebook chat. I think you can go back and watch them. Is that right, Alan? You can. They're all recorded. They're on the Facebook uh, Miskatonic Repository Creators Circle Facebook group. That's a mouthful. Yeah. They're all on there recorded. Um, yeah. And depending on when you're watching this, there's another one coming up very shortly. Yeah. Um, these, are, these are all strange uh, time-dependent things, aren't they? But, yeah, we'll have another one. We've got a series of topics that Mike talks about and uh, it's always edifying to listen to him because he has yeah. uh, decades of experience. And selfishly, I would say one of the things I love about those things before we move on to that, and I'm very time aware as well, We what I love is that in those moments, I've been there on chats and groups and I've been messaging. And next thing I know is you and Mike are either responding to my question verbally online, uh, like, you know, talking out about, okay, well, Newman's just said this, or it's uh, a response in the chat. So it's such a great way to interact with the community as well. So uh, just shouting that out to all of you. If the, the, the next one coming up, check out the Miskatonic Repository uh, Facebook page, the creators content page, check it out. There's a new talk coming up. Make sure you get on there. Uh, uh, Alan's going to be there. Mike Mason's going to be there. Is that, who else will be? Is there anybody else, uh, Alan? We're expecting in that chat. Um, I have just, seen it today, and I have gone yes, yeah, going. Yeah, it will be Mike discussing a new topic, which is about choosing a voice, um, and me sitting there nodding and listening along, getting as much <laughs> as I possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, ideal, ideal. Okay, brilliant. Well, uh, brilliant. I think that's yeah, a huge resource community. Make sure that you try and plug into that one, please. Um, okay, so um, we've got. Uh, so Lewis is asking us, uh, how do you go about writing effective and succinct scenarios? Okay, effective and succinct scenarios. I um, um, the seeds of terror scenario range, which were all. Um, uh, let me start from right in the beginning. I went to a convention, I watched uh, MC Black, who's a chap here in Melbourne who does a lot of self-published writing for Dungeons & Dragons on a panel with Mob and another person whose name I'll forget, uh, talking about self-publishing. And that was before we'd done anything, so that was like 2019 maybe. Um, and I came out of that buzzing, like I can do that. I've, <laughs> I've, got one of these, um, I've got one of these brains where I see something and I think I can do it. Yeah. Um, and then I go off and I give it a go and realise there's a little bit more to it. I actually, <laughs> what the motto for Type 40 is how hard can it be? Uh, it turns out usually it's fairly hard, but we get through. So um, we came out of that thinking, right, I want to do this, but I want to do it different. And I want to do, um, I want to do a series of scenarios which are um, easy to prep, easy to pick up and run, last one night, you know, no longer than two, three hours to run. Um, and so I had this idea of what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to do it. Now, with all the other stuff that I do, you can say I make these shields and hammers for Type 40. Uh, I've got an engineering background, um, and I'm a great believer in process. So I, I love reliable, repeatable processes. So I, I knew where I wanted to be, which was writing short scenarios, succinct short scenarios. I knew where I wanted to be. I just didn't know how to get there. So I sat down and I wrote myself a process and I have a framework document of how to write a seed of terror. And it, it, it lays out paragraph by paragraph or section by section, how many words to put in the intro, what the intro does, what the intro uh, says, um, what the player introduction you know, has to have in it. 
So I could give you my framework document, sit down with you for 10 minutes and teach you how to write a seed of terror. Um, so it's literally just a reliable, repeatable process. So once I'd written my process that I wanted to follow, yeah. all I had to do is come up with the content and the themes and the ideas. Okay. And then I would just plug it into my process and write my scenario. And after I'd done the first one, and this is the same with all the physical things yeah, I made, yeah. like the first hammer I made took me three months. And the next hammer I made took me two weeks. Hmm. And then now they take me about three days each or something like that. Yeah. Um, so after you do your first one, your process, you just got this reliable, repeatable process. And that's why they all appear the same. Now, um, anecdotally, Mob will probably kill me for this, but he, he's played, play tested nearly all of them. And he said, you know what I like about these, Alan? That they're, they're the McDonald's of scenarios. <laughs> and uh, the compliment because yeah. they're, they're tasty um they're bad for you no they're not bad for you um, <laughs> but you know what you're going to get yeah uh, and that's you know hearing that come from mob that was perfect for me i knew i'd hit the nail on the head yeah that's amazing so, that, that, that is amazing yeah. and i think what i'm going to take from that is somewhere in there and i know it wasn't directed at me but you said the words i can sit you down and i can teach you how to do this uh, I might officially take you up on that one day, but um, we'll, we'll let you regret that later on. Oh my God. Just, well, just write that down. This is <laughs> you can edit that out, can't you? I can. Yeah, that, that'll be gone. Don't worry. <laughs> that'll be gone. Alan, a question from Corin, which is um, Do you have a favorite Miskatonic repository scenario? Um, I do. Uh, it's entirely self serving. Um, and there are a lot of great scenarios out there, like better than this one that's my favourite, uh, much better than this one that's my favourite. This is my favourite because it was the first scenario I ever wrote. Um, it's the Mummy of Pemberley Grange uh, in, in the Seeds of Terror range on drive-through. Um, and it's my favourite because um, it's silly uh, and it's a lot of fun. It was, like I say, the first scenario that I ever wrote. Um, so it's got a lot of uh, emotional weight in it. It was the, you know, it's the one that you ponder over a lot. It's the one that you worry about a lot. But it's the one that I got to run for a lot of people. Um, so it's not just my favourite because I wrote it or my first one, but it's the one that I, it's probably the scenario in Call of Cthulhu that I've ran the most. I've probably ran yeah. the Mummy of Pemberley Games a hundred times. Um, and that's on at conventions, on Zoom, on you know meetings for friends, for people every, all over the world. You know, it was one of the scenarios that I ran during lockdown in COVID. Um, and it, people may or may not know, but Melbourne was one, one of, if not the most locked down city in the world. Yeah. I think we'd yeah. over a year in lockdown. Um, so I, 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 it may sound a bit odd, but that Call of Cthulhu scenario maintained my sanity for quite a while. <laughs> like a reverse um, roll there. Got a reverse roll. That's yeah. Right, yeah. Got a zero one. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's probably my favorite scenario. It's the one I know inside out. It's the one I know the most. I love running it. I love seeing people's reactions and it's, and it has given 
me a lot of pleasure running it for people who are getting a lot of pleasure out of it. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing as well. We all, for those of us, uh, all of us here, community content creators, we know how much passion, time, love, thought, creativity goes into our scenarios. And when we get to run them, when we get to bring them to the community, it's a huge deal. It's huge. Uh, I, I can't believe that's your first scenario, Alan. I have to say, I'm going, what? Did you not have like... A scenario that like bombed did you not have a scenario that kind of did this did that did that because if that's your first scenario that wow that's amazing well it, it, it's got nothing to do with me <laughs> <laughs> the first scenario that i wrote in the mummy of pembley grains the original yeah. idea the original sort of seed that little that little seed of an idea came from a friend of mine nick uh, nick holland who who i've known for absolutely years and nick holland plants seeds in my brain regularly right and then he just steps away like it's nothing and then i'm like oh right okay he he was the he's the reason why type 40 exists nicole and he he said to me uh, more than a decade ago ago massive doctor who fan he said can you make me a tardis this is when i was a carpenter and i said well i could he said he said i'll buy the materials if you'll make the tardis with me so i said how hard can it be so we built artists. <laughs> it was very hard, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then from there, I went on to making shields and hammers and other things. Um, years later, the original, um, the original discussion about seeds of terror and what it would be was with Nick at that convention. We both. Is that where the name we... came from? Seeds of terror. Yeah, um, it, it, it kind of is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's... Because um, it's the, a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. The, the, thank you. The, the Seeds of Terror range, this is diverting a little bit from topic, but the Seeds of Terror name, um, it, the, the idea for the Seeds of Terror evolved from something that was not scenarios. It was originally going to be uh, a series of mythos location maps with... Mm-hmm small 600 word paragraphs about locations to spark the imagination for other people to write scenarios yeah and that evolved into seeds of terror but yeah he, nick plants seeds all the time um so yeah uh, mummy of pembley grange his seed yeah i wrote it and you're saying i can't believe it was first scenario. google phil anderson <laughs> phil anderson in- there he is Phil Anderson and goes, This Alan, what have you written? This is all over the show. And he <laughs> and he does this, he does this great editing and looks through it. And that's how Phil and I started working together. We worked on some other stuff yeah. which we didn't publish. And then we Seeds of Terror started. I asked Phil if he would work on it with me and he agreed. Uh, and then we would we have this really neat, reliable, repeatable process where we back and forth. He'll write something. I'll I'll go through it and commit what we term word murder, where we slash it to pieces, or or I'll write something and he'll do the same to me. It's quite brutal, but we we love it, um, and uh, and that's that's how it happened. But yeah, Mummy of Pembley Grange, absolutely my favourite. It's it's caused me no end, um, caused me given me no end of pleasure and fun. Um, <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, you've got to love your own work, haven't you? You've got yeah. to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you're going to play it, you're going to play test it, you're going to send it out to people, you want the feedback, good, bad, whatever, you want to take it and you want to evolve it into something. Uh, but something yeah. you've, 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 you've said there, Alan, uh, and community, this is, this is one for you as well. Um, just the relationship with the writer and the editor. You know, that, that can be a huge deal, whether it's a friend, whether it's a uh, one of your players that you trust to say, you know, this is my material, this is a scenario I've written, can you look at it? You know, having mm. that second pair of eyes can be so significant. Um, yeah. and I think the, the, what is it, the phrase, the I can't see the wood for the trees, when you write your own scenario, you're editing your own scenario, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, is just having somebody else look at it and go through it. And I know yeah. that there's, there's a lot of people at the playhouse who really value that relationship between writer and editor to just, just make sure you've got someone to have a look and give you that opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely get them to read it. And if they can then explain back to you without you having told them anything, what's going on in that scenario, you're probably going in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Well, we'll let, we're going to move on to the next question because we've still got a few uh, uh, surefire questions here. Uh, so I, I have to say, I love this question. I love this question. This is from uh, uh, Charles, who's been a favorite with our questions tonight. He's thrown loads in, but this one is, is a wonderful question. If your dreams could come true, what would be the theme location of a massive Call of Cthulhu campaign directed by Alan Carey? So, you know, think, uber campaigns uber scenario if alan carey was in charge of that what would we have I, I i can say for certain that dreams do come true because i've already run that campaign Ooh. um i ran a 15-year campaign um week in week out with several different groups over that 15-year period um of Call of Cthulhu, which was based loosely on Shadows of Yogg-Sothoth, taking some of the themes from that, um, but also homebrew, you know, like 80% homebrew, sandbox, living living the Cthulhu life. Now, that that happened over a 15-year period, but if you condensed it down to actual play, it would probably only be eight years, you know, every Sunday night. And that only, actually only. only eight years every Sunday night. <laughs> But it was a, it, that's my that was my dream come true scenario. It's already happened. We we played it with several different groups, and my partner was um, in that scenario in that campaign all the way through. Wow. But it went from different groups as we moved different houses until we we culminated it a few years ago. Now um, I won't give you any spoilers, but it came came to an end. And the, the whole campaign was about tragedy and sacrifice. That was the underlying lying theme, tragedy and sacrifice. Um, and my, my dream campaigns, my, uh, the games that I love the most are, so the, the, I, I see role playing in two, different, in two different lights. One of them is your role play, you're playing in a campaign uh, that's set in the world of Call of Cthulhu. So you're playing, let's say you're playing Mask of Nialathotep, which happens to be in the, in, in the world. Yeah. But you're playing, this, you're playing this campaign. And then the other side that I see is you're playing Call of Cthulhu. You're in the world of Call of Cthulhu and Masks of Nialathotep just happens to be happening in the background that you get pulled into. Right. So there's a whole sandbox world that you're playing. And that's where I like my games to be. 
Um, and that takes commitment from players and from the keeper. And it's, it's yeah. long-term planning. It's lots and lots of stuff happening. So that's my dream. To, so my dream is to have the time to be able to do that again. Because, I, you know, <laughs> as you get older, <laughs> those time commitments become more and more difficult. Uh, and I, I current, I've just sat down a couple of weeks ago and started penning the first few paragraphs of the follow-on campaign for that, which happens, starts. Uh, no spoilers, because, you know, people who play this might end up watching, but it's a follow-on campaign from that huge campaign that a lot of people have played who will be playing this next one uh, that starts about five years after the, the final events. Wow. Um, of so I'm going to start writing that. I think you've just described the dream keeper that everybody in this community is looking at just going i'm sorry did you say a 10-year keeper a 10-year scenario that we can then take a small break from and then do another campaign that's yeah. I, I tell you what though but that doesn't work unless you have the play as you've said the players that are invested yeah. in the story that you're writing that that table commitment isn't it Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's commitment on everybody's part, and it it literally is commitment. You know, everyone, you know, you take breaks here and there, but yeah. you play weekend like that long. It, it's that's the dream, isn't it? It's like it's to just have a group like that. It's and just brilliant. Carpenter, engineer, seeds of terror, type forty. I bet your table gets the best props. We give it a go. We <laughs> <laughs> I certainly do like I do like putting impressive I like people to this is a complete aside again. I like people to be able to when when the players go and find a you know a 20 kilo slab of gold in a in a cool um room, nobody knows what 20 kilos really like the players pick it up in one hand and run off, don't they? And yeah. they don't understand like how heavy it is. 20, yeah, you put 20 kilos of something on a table and it clunks and you're like, okay, how are you gonna deal with that? Yeah, um, and that's that anchors them in the world, but that's an entirely other topic. Talking about it is, it is, but that's it's it, yeah, but a brilliant thing, uh, you know, for us to think about. What a, what a really kind of refreshing way to think about it is, what can we offer the players? What can we offer our players to think about? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um. So, uh, we have a question from Stu. This is this is a forward thinking question. This is a uh, uh, a community question actually uh, for all of us, for all of us, but in terms of where you see us going. So where do you see the community going in the next five, 10, 20 years? Um, that's a long, that's a long view, isn't it? That really is. The community has exploded over the last 12 to 24 months. I've watched it happen. It's just phenomenal. The, the, the creator circle Facebook group is approaching a thousand members when I jumped in there originally, it was probably a couple of hundred. Yeah. Uh, Kyoji support for the community is going from strength to strength. They absolutely um, are the foundational backbone, mixing my metaphors probably, um, of the community and the support that they give is absolutely phenomenal, second to none. Uh, you don't, I, I've not seen uh, creative directors approach the community and offer um amas and live video questions like you can sit down with mike mason every couple yeah. of months every three months and ask him questions that's just unbelievable to me that blows my mind yeah um the the so the miskatonic repository um community group is is just growing 
and of course Chaosium now partner with the writing group for where well, you can I can't forget the name of it. It's, it slipped from my mind, but you can uh, the, go. The uh, storytelling collective. The storytellers collective. You can go and sign up for like thirty or forty dollars, and they'll you know run you through a course on how to write or or whatever. That's that's phenomenal as well. Yeah. So well, that, I've that, I've done that course. I've actually done it myself two or three times. Uh, well, two times now. Going to be signing yeah. on for the third time. Absolutely superb. Really enjoy it. Yeah. So that that's a that's strength in the community. Um, people like yourself popping up the Mystonic uh, Playhouse. That's, so the community is supporting itself. There's lots of resources. Um, Bridget keeps her, um, you know, the creators helping creators uh, spreadsheet up. So there's a big network of us. That's now, that's now. So yeah. in five years time with some, you know, constant support and that's just going to keep growing as well. There's also the other community groups, which, uh, you know, like that. Nick looks after the RuneQuest side of things. Uh, he looks after the Cthulhu. He looks after everything, yeah, Nick, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the Seventh Sea and Pendragon areas of the, you know, the community as well. There, that's there, and that's just bubbling away there. Uh, Pendragon's new edition is coming out soon. Yeah, so that's exciting. Um, <laughs> I Pendragon's like my second favorite game of all time. Me too. I just, I was playing Pendragon like, that sounded really braggy, but anyway, I was playing Pendragon back in, <laughs> back in the day when it first came out. I loved it. absolutely ate it up back in the, back in the late 80s, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, I can see those areas of the community getting some attention and starting to grow, you know, you know, organised play may become a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's amazing, and I think just to just to shout out someone you've mentioned there, um, uh, uh, Bridget, uh, Bridget Jeffries at Symphony Entertainment. Uh, she is uh, she's outstanding. You know, a, a, a real community member, really kind of providing opportunities for just with just so much. And there's the directory that Bridget has kind of you know she's she's put together there as well. So there's there's lots of different people within that directory that you can advertise what it is that you know the, the, the things that you're offering within the community, whether it be uh, editing, map making, uh, playthroughs, anything that you can offer in the community. You know, uh, Bridget is a fantastic uh, community resource and, and, and Symphony Entertainment is amazing. And I believe in the very near future, the very, very near future, they are also going on to live Twitch streaming, Twitch streaming, yeah. Twitchy yeah. things, yeah. Uh, which, is, mean, which is amazing. If anybody should be Twitching live streaming, it's Bridget. She's an powerhouse. Absolute yeah. powerhouse. I don't, 10 years and 20 years, that's a long way away. That's like, that's bonkers distant, isn't it? Let's talk yeah. about, yeah. let's talk about role playing in 20 years. If I can predict <laughs> role years, that would be very, very clever. But di digital stuff is big, you know, uh, Roll20, BTTs, uh, sorry, Foundry, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I will. So the one thing I'm going to jump in there with Alan is, is, uh, and hopefully you won't find this shameless plugging of yourself, is, uh, I think I was quite early in the crowd that was swarming to your digital interactive products for Masked Nalathotep. Um, so I personally, just jumping on the question that wasn't asked to me because I asked it uh, from someone's behalf to Alan, but just throwing in my own tuppence there. Um, I think that 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 what Type Forty have done there with the creating the props, the fact that you can, you know, I've sat at a table with my friends running Massive Nalathotep. 
and I've said, and here's this, and they've scanned a product and they've had a 3D model of a, of, of a, an artifact in front of them. That, for me, especially, I, I have to say, Alan, I know you're here for an interview. I think you're ahead of the curve, uh, my friend. I think you are. I think you're showing us what, what is to come with tabletop role-playing, whether it's something that we can do in person around the table, which I was very lucky enough to do with this, but then my group then had to recede to digi- you know, digital. So we actually had the option mm. to let's scan it in person, look at it. Wow, we can see this on our phones, but yeah, we're scanning in the moment, looking at it. Uh, but then we also then, when we went back to um, you know a digital tabletop, we were still able to interact in that level. So in my humble opinion that nobody's asked for, so I apologize community (laughs) (laughs) is I think, I think that's a big part of our future as well is finding ways to make tabletop role-playing relevant in a, in this very digital facing age that we're in. Um, Uh, I, I love thinking about that sort of stuff and um, did obviously we all suffered over the last couple of years, but digital uh, gaming kept some of us sane and um, you know, being able to interact with props digitally, augmented reality, being able to see, look at, manipulate, investigate um, artifacts from your games uh, up close and personal without actually being up close and personal, yeah. uh, it, you know, just seems like a natural progression to me. And I think digital games, even though I'm a, like old school gamer, physical, like to sit around a table, I also you know love playing online as well. There's a lot. There's the the emerging community and emerging players um, are uh, embracing digital um, digital content more and more. On World Twenty, I think Call of Cthulhu is the second most played game. Yeah, yeah, um, and we've just released. Uh, we've just actually we've just soft launched the starter set on Roll Twenty as well. Oh, the, oh brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we will, we will release masks and the Alethotep and Doors to Darkness on Roll Twenty as well in the coming coming months. That's very exciting news. Very exciting. Um, I have to say, play on a few different forums, but Roll Twenty is something that I kind of. Uh, I think that was that was my first introduction to tabletop role playing. So that's where I've got my my uh, I don't know my jam. It's where it's where I know my buttons. Yeah. Uh, brilliant okay so so uh alan our last question for you this evening and again thank you so much for your time because i know it's very early morning for you uh late evening for us is and again selfishly sorry community this is a question from me um with the uh new official books coming out from chaosium so if they're already out apologies community but we we have in the immediate future i know they're out in pdf for some of them none yet some some not but we have the cults of cthulhu we have, mm. uh, I have to say, I'm really, really stoked. I'm really excited about the Regency um, scenario coming out. There's, there's there's, a few new things coming out. So there's a Time to Harvest, which Chaosium has been brilliant in, you know, with James Hayek kind of posting those, uh, the sessions that have been running, which are, which, are, which are fantastic. And if you haven't watched them, please watch them because they're great fuel for Miskatonic Repository as well for your own scenarios. Um, but what are you with new material, Alan, what are you most excited about kind of bleeding into the Miskatonic Repository community? I, I'm a huge fan of um, uh, source book, setting source books. So source book settings, you've heard me go on about campaigning and running games within world settings. So 
I'm a huge fan of source books for things like uh, Berlin, the Wicked City. What yeah. what's Berlin like? You know, will we see? Um, oh, he's got it right there. Yeah, of course. What a fantastic, fantastic Brilliant. book. Brilliant, David Parkins, superb writer. Yeah. I mean, if he brings half half of his creative talent to Pendragon, then wow. Um, so yeah, settings, settings. You know, maybe there, maybe other European cities, maybe other places around the world. I like one of my first, uh, the the very first source book I bought for Call of Cthulhu was Terra Australis, um, and obviously then that updated recently in the past few years. You've you've got Terra Australis books, you've got Berlin, the Wicked City. There's plenty of stuff. There's a, maybe new Arkham stuff coming out. Uh, so that'll be really nice, and uh, that's always um, that's always a great setting. Um, yeah, so I I think that it would be wonderful to see uh, the community embrace um, different aspects of Call of Cthulhu in different countries that wasn't necessarily New England, America. Um, yeah. My heart sits in the 1920s for Call of Cthulhu, um, but obviously Regency is fantastic. Um, the gaslight would be a lovely thing to see more of. That would be really, really cool as well. Um, yeah, so the, the variety is um, there's there's a lot of variety, a lot of untapped variety. Yeah, I think, and I, I think that what the most amazing thing is um, going off what you've said is because of the the source books, the material that's out there, it just provides our community, the Miskatonic Repository community a huge amount of fuel to go right i'm writing this scenario when or where can i put it not not just yeah. what is it it's a when or a where as well which which can mm. really add a depth to what we offer as a community yeah and absolutely and doesn't call the cthulhu just give you the opportunity for not only what but when and where like lots of other settings are just what here now just you know whatever other role-playing game you're playing whatever ip it is it's just it's it's in that spot but yeah. call the cthulhu just it's just so broad yeah amazing uh alan i'm gonna thank you so much for your time thank you for being here with the playhouse uh we very much appreciate you being here um what i'm gonna ask you to do is uh please if there is any uh plugs or or, or highlights or people you'd like to shout out uh please do tell us because i can assure you that myself along with the community, are going to be there with Google, tapping away to find out what's going on. So please, Alan. Um, I would just like to thank the community for being so vibrant. It's absolutely fantastic. It's really great to interact with everybody on the Facebook group and elsewhere. Really looking forward to seeing people at different conventions as we start to travel again. So that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you for doing the Playhouse, because this is going to be a great community resource like the energy is absolutely superb um, and if anybody uh, would like to check out what we do at type 40 then you can find us at uh, type40.com.au that's the website uh, if you would like to follow us on twitter um, the, you would find us at um, the tardis guy the underscore tardis underscore guy that's a throwback from yeah. when i had how to do social media um you can chat to us on twitter there um uh, and of course if you are interested in looking at the seeds of terror range you can find that on drive through roleplay the easiest way to find it is probably just to search for author alan carey which is which is me 
Um, yeah, thank you very much. It's been great chat. It's been lovely. Thank you. And again, thank you so much for being with us this evening or morning. Thank <laughs> yeah, you very much. As we draw the curtain on tonight's performance, we thank you for joining us and look forward to inviting you back to the Miskatonic Playhouse. In the meantime, you can also find us in the links below. And if you'd like to submit your scenario for us to play, email miskatonicplayhouse at gmail.com.